you have your Bibles, we're going to jump into Matthew this morning. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. I'm reading in the New Living Translation this morning. And I'm really excited today. It's going to be a good one. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5. Here we go. This is, the faith, this is the faith of the Roman officer. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed. He's paralyzed and he's in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do this. Ten. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed at that same, same hour. So this morning as we paint the picture and as we use this text of the Roman officer this morning to kind of paint the picture, I want you just to take a step back and think about being a Roman officer this morning. But obviously today we look around, we know how important the military is, right? And all of us appreciate all that they do, all the, all the people who've been here before, all the men and women who've given their lives to, to give us what we have today. And, and Roman officers back in this day, you know, life was a little different back then, right? They were a little bit um, they're different than how we are today, right? The, the weapons that they use, the training that they you know, went through every single day. They had to swim. They had to lift things. You know, they had their own workouts they had to go through. And so this man who was highlighted this morning, the thing that I want you to get in your mind is a man who was an officer. He was a man who had power, but he also had compassion. And that's very hard for, for men and women sometimes who have power. And, and many of us know leaders, and a lot of us know good leaders. We know so-so leaders, and then we know poo-poo leaders, right? But this guy in, in this story this morning, the Roman officer, he's a man who, and he had power, he had control, but yet he had compassion. And compassion for people is one of the greatest things, one of the greatest things that God wants us to have, to be able to see people the way that he sees people. Many times, and, and we all know this because we know in our own skin what we think, what we feel. We know sometimes how, how easy it is just to judge people and how easy it is just to think what other people are thinking and we have really no idea. Sometimes we don't take the time. Just sit and think, I wonder how this person is doing. I wonder how this person is doing. I wonder how they're feeling. And so get and just paint the picture of a man in charge who had power, who had control, yet had compassion. A man who had feelings, a man who felt for his servant so much that he would come and that he would approach Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he, and he explains to him, I have a servant who's sick and he's dying. And how many of us know he invited Jesus or he was, he was throwing out kind of an invisible invitation in this second. And have you ever been invited to a party and the person who invited you is kind of like, 
you can tell, I don't know if they really want me there. They just like kind of threw it out there. You know, hey, I don't know if you ever heard this one. Hey, you know, you can come to my son's birthday. You know, eh, you know, if you want to, right? If you, if you want to, you're thinking, obviously I don't think they want me there, right? Invitation and how we get invited how important is that? How important is it for you to feel invited? If you're going to go to someone's house, if you're going to buy a birthday gift for somebody, if you're going to show up with your whole uh, party, your whole family, if you're going to go out and buy one gift, two gifts, the person inviting you, how important is it? The man in this story, and I want to I paint this picture, the man in this story, the way that he invited Jesus in a sense, and it only took a brief moment. But the invitation was so sweet and so sincere that immediately Jesus was compelled to go. Immediately in the invitation, Jesus was compelled. Immediately Jesus said, I will go. Let's go to your house. And so the question I have for you in thinking about the word invitation is, how inviting are we to God and the Holy Spirit? Now, if we get up in the morning and we have devotions, and we open up our Bible, and we know that in 35 minutes, we still have to eat, brush our teeth, and get to work. In our minds, fighting is it to God, does, is he thinking, does he really, does, does he or she really want me to come and meet with them this morning? How inviting are we to ask God every single morning into, into our lives, into our days? We have lived so much life, right? How many hours have we put on? How many, how many hours and seconds have we put on in our life? In the hours and the minutes that we've lived every single day, how much time have we spent inviting him, inviting God, inviting Jesus, inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of everything that we do? God is a gentleman. He wants to be invited, right? Now the Bible says, and we know it, where two or three are gathered, right? He's there. But as far as your personal relationship with God and growing in your relationship with God, how inviting have we been to say, God, today, everywhere I go, I want you to come with me. God, invitation is so important. Dude, is so important. The way that we ask, the way that we communicate. And how many of us know that sometimes it's not even the words that we speak, but it's just in our attitude. And I love this Roman officer because he was so, remember, compelled and compassionate for his servant that in one brief second, Jesus was so moved. He was so moved by this man's compassion. He was so moved by an invitation that immediately says, I will come to your house. Roman officer, as soon as Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house, what does he say? He says, Jesus, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm a Gentile officer. I'm a Jew. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. Do we see a man with power? Do we see a man with compassion? We see a man who was so moved and compelled to help somebody. But now we, we see somebody who's humble. Matthew 3.11, and it reminds me of somebody else. Matthew 3.11 says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. And this was John the Baptist, Jesus' half-cousin. But look at his heart. And describing his humility, I'm here and I'm serving God, he's saying. I'm here and I'm baptizing people. I'm here and I'm leading people to the Father. But someone is coming, someone who is greater than me, someone who is so great, someone who is so amazing that I am not even worthy to be his slave. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. The humility that John the Baptist had and the humility that this Gentile officer spoke with, I, Jesus, 
am not worthy. And I don't, I don't think he said that I'm not worthy because the house was dirty. I don't think he said I'm not worthy because the dishes weren't done. I don't think he said I'm not worthy because the trash was piled up and nobody took it out, right? I don't think he was saying I'm not worthy because there was some, maybe some bad things lying around the house. He wasn't saying that. You can see that in his words and his action, this, this picture that he painted of himself, Jesus, I understand, powerful, but yet I'm compassionate. I'm in control, but yet I'm humble. I'm in control, yet I'm humble. In our own right, God has made us all, how many of us know, rulers of our own lives and our houses, right? And how many of us learned, have learned how to learn to be in control, yet to be humble in the house as well? How many of us in our daily lives and everywhere we go in everything that we do to learn to be in control, but yet to be humble, to be humble, to be serving? You know, God has only given us one life to live. And I will tell you that in this one life, it is really easy, right, to mess up, right? How many of us know how easy it is to mess up? How easy it is sometimes to treat other people the wrong way, right? We all, it's so easy sometimes just to offend somebody. God has put us here in our, in our own way, be leaders, to be humble leaders, right? And that's a question as we're painting the picture of the Roman officer to ask yourself, how am I in the way that I lead? How am I in the way that I lead my life? In front of my spouse, in front of my kids, in front of my friends, in front of my coworkers, in front of the people that I, every single day, do I live humbly? And humility starts with our humility with God and understanding that God is God and we're not. You know, sometimes what sin does, and this is why sin is so destructive, in the very beginning it says sin separated man from God. Sin in our own minds can puff our brains up to think that we're bigger and better than other people. And sometimes what sin does when we don't even realize it, sin puffs up our mind to think that maybe even we're in control and we can do whatever we want. Sin is so destructive. Sin will absolutely take away humility that God wants us to have in our hearts. Humility. Isaiah 66, 1 says, this is what the Lord says, heaven's my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. But this is who I will bless. Those who have a humble and broken heart. Who does God want to bless? Those who have a humble, meaning an understanding, understanding, a clear understanding. I'm not better than anyone in this, in this place. A clear understanding of exactly just who we are. God is almighty. I am just a slave of his. I'm just a servant. I'm just his kid. I'm just his son. I'm just his daughter. God says, I will bless those who have humble and broken hearts and those who tremble at my word. And so as we're painting the picture of this man this morning, here is a man who was in control, powerful, compassionate, compelling, and still humble. And how many of us have met leaders in our life? How many of us have met leaders and as soon as they get into power, it's like, well, they lost their humility. And I'll never forget one of my ex-customers who runs a uh, private high school. Every director came the exact same person. So when I was servicing this and I sell food in the daytime, but when I was um, selling this customer, there was two different guys, two different guys who I knew very well. And every time that there was a promotion and someone became the director, and there was two guys who did this, they turned into the same punk 
matter what happened, as soon as they became the main director, the main food and service director, they turned into the most horrible, most worst person. You didn't want to be around them. You didn't want to talk to them. It was just sometimes power, control, and position, what does it do? Sometimes it goes to people's heads, right? This man was awesome because he was so in control and had such a good understanding. He says to Jesus, I'm not worthy worthy for you to come to my house. But the next thing that he says is one of the most powerful things in this story. He says, all you need to do, he says, you don't need to come to my house and lay hands on my servant. You need to come to my house. We don't need to have tea and biscuits, which sound good. You don't need to come to my house and we don't need to break bread. He says, Jesus, all you need to do, all you need to do is just say the word. And say, just say the word. Jesus, you don't even need to travel. Jesus, I don't want to waste your travel time. I don't want to waste your gas and your, and your Maserati. Jesus, I don't want to waste the time and energy that it take to get here. Jesus, all you have to do is just say the word. And then he goes on to describe himself. And this is one of the most powerful descriptions. And this is how we get the greatest picture of the, of the heart that this man says. He goes, Jesus, I am a man who is under authority. And so I have learned what it means to take orders. But at the same time, I also have authority and I tell my people what to do and they have to do it. So he learned how to take an order. He learned how to give an order. But at the meantime, he learned how to keep a humble heart without letting the power get to him. 22:24 says this. They began to argue among themselves who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, kings and great men, they lord it over people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. And this Roman officer, he's describing in his words, in his voices, in his actions, that I have authority, that I'm under authority, that I'm serving, I serve under those people, but yet I take care of those who are under me. And Jesus describes the greatest leadership in the whole entire world. How? By being a servant. He said, Gentile leaders lord it over the people that they're leading. How can you be the best person? Serve those around you. How can you have the best house? Serve every single person in that house and don't worry about yourself. How can you have the best marriage? Serve one another. Don't care how you get served, but serve the other person with all that you have. How do you raise healthy, happy kids? Serve those kids with all that you have. How do we have the best friendships? Serve your friends, right? And how do we be who God's made us to be as Christians? He's called us to what? He's called us to serve. He's called us to serve. He's called us to meet people's needs. How do we become the greatest leaders? We become that by being a servant. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you must be a servant. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And this, this, everything that this man was and everything that he did, Jesus described later on in those two verses that I read, the greatest must be a servant. And those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Jesus turns and he says, I haven't seen any faith like this in all of Israel. It amazes me that the story is this man is just painting a picture of himself. One thing that he said to him, to Jesus, just say the word. And Jesus says, I haven't seen anyone have this much faith. His 31, two years of living at this point in all of Israel, I've not seen anyone who has this much 
faith. To just, to understand that what he was asking for Jesus, all Jesus had to do was speak. He knew it was going to be taken care of. Just say the word, speak, and I don't have to worry about it. Jesus, just speak, and I know that it's handled. All you have to do is speak, and I know the miracle is already there. All you have to do is just speak, and it's done. And so Jesus said, I have not seen any faith in all of Israel like this. And so this morning we turn to now our garden. Is we're in our theme called My Garden. I'm going to need a couple of helpers. So, of course, Mr. Aaron, come on up. And Sammy, come on up. Winner number two this morning because my son Mike is not here to pick on, so you get, the, you get the lucky one. Come on up and stand behind this nice little box. If you guys could give a hand clap for them before they start. I'm not sure why we have some change in here. Maybe I'll give you a tip later, but um, open up some seeds and then grab one of those pans. Oh, we got another big helper. Hey, what's up, buddy? He's a big helper, huh? So last week when we were in my garden theme, the title was B8. Not V8. It was a great vegetable juice. It was B8. And we shared the story of David. Now many of us remember the story of David when he was anointed to be king. And in that story, it says that there were seven boys, seven young, awesome, amazing, strong, looking boys who were brought before Samuel, and none of those seven were picked to be the next king. It was number eight. It was the shepherd boy who was out there working. It was the shepherd boy who was getting his hands dirty, right? And so last week when we were talking about being number eight, we talked about being a new beginning. That every single person deserves a new beginning. Every single person, every single person on this planet, they deserve another chance, right? They deserve a new beginning. They deserve to have hope. And we brought up our seeds. It won't get too messy this morning. But when we're relating it to our garden, we were talking about how when seed sometimes hits, hit our garden, sometimes there's things that deflect the seed. And the seed represents in the Bible the Word of God. And the Word of God represents truth, represents life. You ask yourself, I'll give you a quick description. Our name Zoe is life, right? What does God put you here to do? He's put you here to live life, right? So what is Zoe for us? Zoe is learning to live the life that God has given to us. So as we look at our garden, we talk about our garden, and already the past few weeks we've talked about so many different things in our garden. One of the things we mentioned last week is that when God's word is trying to hit our hearts, the devil uses deflectors, and what he does is tries to knock the word out before it hits our heart. He uses whatever he can. Get a little more seed if you can. I just threw it all away. He tries to deflect our word of God, the word of God from in our hearts. And then sometimes what he does is he uses other people. And we have two, two lovely gentlemen up here this morning. Perfect, thank you. Good. Sometimes, you know what's sad is sometimes we get used by the devil and we don't even know. How many of us know that there's, there's days and moments where we're having a bad day and we take it out on somebody. Or maybe we even say something the wrong way and we didn't even know that we did it. And so sometimes we get used to deflect the word of God for somebody else. And we didn't even know that we did that. And so tonight, or this morning, as we move into our theme this morning, what we want to talk about is the word of God finding the right landing spot. If you were a pilot this morning and you were in a plane and you had an emergency and you had to bring the plane down, what is the one thing you're looking for? You're looking for a runway, you're looking for a place, you're looking for a safe landing spot, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I need a safe landing spot. And so this morning as we look at that, this is what the Word of God is trying to find in our hearts, a safe landing spot. 
Shiloh, if you could pull up those verses in Matthew, have their Matthew 13 through 18, 23. If you guys can hold up your seeds. Matthew 13, 18 says this. Now, listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom. They don't understand it because the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed. So as Aaron has already demonstrated here, the seed is trying to find what? It's trying to find a ending spot, right? But sometimes it doesn't find a landing spot. Sometimes it gets blown away or it gets stolen away, right? Blow it out. You can do it. Perfect. Give Aaron a hand. Good job, Aaron. I want you to think about this for a second. Word of God, God's word, it's truth, message. There's some things I'm going to list here. They literally, the seed literally has to work, find the landing spot in our lives. And so the first thing that we talked about, Jesus in Matthew 13, 18 says that we have, that seed has to work around what? The devil. Because soon as the word of God is preached, soon as a verse is shared, soon as truth is shared, because truth brings freedom, truth brings life, Soon as the truth is spoken, the devil's already there. And what is the devil trying to do? He's trying to block it so that that truth doesn't find a landing spot in you. Because the devil doesn't want you free. Now, I'm not talking about salvation, right? We've all, most of us in this room, we have accepted Jesus. We've asked him into our heart. How many of us know that even though we've asked God into our heart, some of us sometimes still deal with issues. And some of us still deal with our past. Because some of us, we weren't best little spring chicken in the old day, right? Some of us in here, there are some things and bad choices that we made back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and those things are still trying to catch up to us. Some of those things are called issues. So the first thing that the Word of God has to break through and break around to find a landing spot is the devil. The second thing is it says that the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message, immediately receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. And so secondly, see that God's word has to work around the devil. The devil has to work around problems and then persecution. How many of us know that our problems sometimes can speak much louder than God's word? How many of us have learned in the 35 years living of life that is God's word spoken and, and most of us, we hear his word and we love God's word and we love everything that God's word says and represents. But one of the things that God's word is trying to work around and find that landing spot is through the problems, is through the problems. That's why having godly friends and godly neighbors are so important. Because the minute that you have a problem, the minute that we are going through something difficult, that's when the word of God is needed the most. Through every problem and through every persecution, the word of God trying to break through to that landing spot in our hearts. Break through the devil, break through persecution, break through problems. And then Jesus goes on to say, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, no fruit is produced. And we're describing a garden theme last few weeks and going to continue on for a little bit because life is meant to be a beautiful garden. Jesus said, I came to give life and life to the fullest, right? That doesn't mean that we're all millionaires and billionaires. That's not what he was saying, right? Even though that sounds nice, right? Jesus said, I came to give you a rich and satisfying life because sometimes money can't buy happiness, Sometimes money can't buy the things that you inside are desperately looking for. 
Money does not solve all the issues that we have. Money is a nice thing to have, and it is, right? To get Starbucks, have lunch, do all the things that we enjoy to do and we're going to do here shortly. Money doesn't solve your problems. Jesus said, I came to give you life, life to the fullest. That description is rich and beautiful. And so that's why we started this thing called My Garden, because God wants your life to be rich and beautiful. Again, not meaning money, but everything on the inside, rich and beautiful. And to do that, the Word of God has to break through, just read, plan of the devil, problems in life, persecution, pressure, the worries of life. How many of us know the worries of life? How big is the worries of life? How many times have we been worried in life? How many times have we been worried? Because we're so worried, we don't hear God's truth. And lastly, the lure of wealth. The last thing that he describes is the word of God is being stopped by the lure of wealth. God wants his word, God wants his seed, that when he puts it into your vessel, he wants it to be in the good ground. Nothing, nothing blocking its way. No problems, no persecution, desire, and the lure of wealth. These guys, you can be seated. Thank you. Give them a hand. You guys are awesome. And so this morning, a few more things before we start to wrap up. We see that the story in the verse, my context this morning, the most powerful, there was two powerful things in the story. One of them was the description of what he was asking Jesus. You don't need to come to my house, just say the word. And so what I want to say to you this morning is how important it is for you and how you speak to your garden, how you speak to yourself. Because sometimes, how many of us know, sometimes, honestly, we don't treat ourselves very good. How many of us beat, how many of us beat ourselves up? How many of us take out gloves and we punch ourselves how many times we hit ourselves in the head? How many of us have looked in the mirror and said, I don't like what I see? How many of us have said something negative about ourselves? How many times have we beat ourselves up over and over and over again? Maybe, maybe for our garden, we need to stop beating ourselves up. Maybe we need to change the language, start speaking to our garden a little bit differently. You are a beautiful, handsome person, right? You are intelligent and you're awesome and amazing in the way that God made you. Just let God speak to you directly and say the word that your heart needs to hear. How powerful is the right word at the right time to just say the word? And then secondly, to understand authority. How important is it to truly understand authority in the position that a heart holds. Jesus said, Matthew 28, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When he saw them, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came to his disciples and he says, I have been given all authority. I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Jesus said, I have been given all authority. What type of man was Jesus? What type of man was Jesus? He says, when I came here, I didn't come so that you would serve me. I didn't come in the flesh. And come here for, to be served. Came to serve you. I came to lay my life down as a sacrifice. I came to give myself fully for every single person. And so Jesus, because of what he did, what he gave of himself, God gave him all authority in heaven and on earth. What was that authority to do? It says to go and to make disciples. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. And so the question I have as we wrap up this morning, and Daniel can start to make your way back up. On 14, 12, and this is going to be our landing verse this morning. 2021 
in, in 2021, what are the greater works that God's asking you to do? We know that 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, what greater works looked like. We know that those disciples, those 11 disciples, and then plus one, that they gave their lives. Most of the disciples, they were killed, or they were beat up, were crucified. The 11 men after Jesus, they gave themselves so that we can have the Bible, so that we can have the story. They did great things 2,000 years ago to continue and to preserve the word of God. But at this moment in 2021, now the story is up to me and you. And in this day and in this age, no matter what's happening in politics, no matter what's happening around the world, no matter what's happening in Hemet and Santa Cena and Val Vista and Temecula and San Diego and L.A., no matter what's been on the news and no matter what's on the radio, the most important thing is what are the greater things that God has prepared you for today? What are the greater things? You are prepared for greatness. And actually, if you can stand with me. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater things. You have greatness vibrating, living, breathing all inside of you. You have great things that are inside of you that are just waiting to come out. They're breathing, they're moving, and they're shaking inside of you. God has prepared you and he has destined you to be a great woman, a great man, and to do great things in this life. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much, much more. You can say to mountains, may you be lifted up and be thrown in the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. If you have faith. One of the greatest things that we can do this morning, it's in our language and it's in our tone and it's watching the way that we walk and the talk and the way that we talk and the way that we act. Like the Roman officer to come to Jesus, to be a man of power, but yet have compassion. Be a man of power, but be compelled for people, to help people. A man of power, but yet have such a humble heart. How and why God has put you here today for this moment, for this time to do great things and all he says is it starts by just having faith we started that walk because we asked him into our lives we started to have faith because you're here this morning but now it's God saying I want to take it to the next level now it's God saying listen I want you I prepared you and you are ready for greater things you are ready to change the world you are ready to go out there and to do all that I made you to do because you're awesome and it just takes having a little faith just say the word God just say the word God I believe just say it I'm healed and I believe just say it and in the provision and the money and the job that I've been waiting for it's there I believe God just say the word and I know that it's done and I know that it's handled God I believe so much God I'm, I'm believing in my heart and my mind and my soul God raise the faith that is inside of me God I, I, I'm praying and I'm believing and God I just ask that you would just raise more faith inside of me God we come to you this morning we thank you for this day God we thank you for Sunday mornings God, we thank you for every single heart and mind and soul, every beautiful person who's here this morning. God, as we're talking about gardens, we're talking about seeds, and we're talking about all kinds of different things. God, that you would help our hearts to receive faith this morning. We get faith 
God, by hearing your word. We get faith by hearing your word. God, help us to receive faith this morning. Help us to receive from the Roman officer, a man who had such great faith that he changed the world. He changed his servant's life. He changed everything around him because he had faith. God, change in us this morning where we have doubts. God, replace the doubts with faith. God, where we are struggling, God, replace the struggles with faith this morning. God, help us to believe to the point where we can say, God, just say the word. Just say the word. My son is healed. My son is delivered. My daughter is healed. My daughter is protected. Just say it and know from the bottom of our hearts that it's already handled. Just say the word. With your eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm going to have you take a minute. It has prepared you for greater things. Just take 15 seconds and pray, God, what great things have you prepared me for this week? And I pray that you'd help me to be ready for every one of them. For every situation I face this week, every encounter, for every relationship and friendship, help me not to offend anybody, help me not to hurt anybody this week. God, help me to be the greatest example. What great things have you made for me to do this week and be a part of this week? God, help me to change the world around me this week. Being humble. God, help me to be compassionate. We pray that the word would just sink deep into our heart and that the word would have a landing spot this morning. That the seed and the word and the truth and the life that's being spoken would have a landing spot. We just rebuke the devil right now and say, you can't have the word that God is speaking. We just speak to the devil and say, you can't be around me and my family and my kids. Get away, devil. You can't be around my relationships and my friendships. You can't be around here, devil. I'm not letting you. I'm not letting you rob me anymore, devil. And I'm not going to let problems take away from the word of God. And I'm not going to let money take away from the word of God. And I'm not going to let persecution take me away from the word of God. It's time for greater things. God, use us this week for great things. Lord, we give you ourselves. We give you all that we have. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit give us every single thing that we need to live this week in a great way for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 